Hello, welcome to Blades Pod. It's Saturday, the 1st of June. In this podcast, Blades Analytics and myself, we are going to take a retrospective look at the season that's just gone. The the English Football League season 2018-19 has finished. We know where all 92 teams, what division they're going to be in next season. And of course, Sheffield United are going to be in the top 20 in the Premier League. And yeah, we wanted to, um, I guess, take some time to look back and try and remember uh, how we felt all the way through this season. Look back at some of the the key decisions that were made um, in terms of transfers, players coming in and out, also the team selection, the tactics, and actually go through each game as well. And yeah, try and remember how we were feeling at certain points of the season. Because yeah, I think as as we'll kind of discover, it was a bit of an emotional roller coaster. I don't think too many of us really thought we'd we'd make the top two. Certainly, um, certainly Jay and I did not think that. Um, and yeah, this is going to be a two-parter because obviously there's, there's quite a lot to talk about and uh, two-hour podcasts is, is quite intensive, I think, probably to listen to as well as record. So this is going to be part one. We're going to pick it up in the summer of 2018 in the transfer window and we're going to finish it uh, at the last game of 2018. So part two will follow probably in about a week or so. We'll pick that up on the 1st of January with uh, the January transfer window and all the games that followed, um, and yeah, part two is it's probably going to be uh, even more fun than this part, I guess, but I enjoyed this a lot as well, so I hope you do too. Thanks very much for listening and downloading. Cheers. Hello, Jay. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. Bored of no football already. I think it's sort of exacerbated by the fact that we were promoted like a month ago, and so yeah, the playoffs, I, I've enjoyed watching them. Um, but it it does feel like I haven't seen United play for six months or something like that, and yeah, yeah I can't remember one of the playoff games really bored me this week, and I was like, oh, I really wish. I oh, know it was the it was the Europa League final last night, which actually turned into a, uh, the other night rather actually turned into a, a more interesting game than I thought it was going to be. But watching that first half, I was like, oh, really wish I was watching United again. But anyway, so yeah, purpose of this podcast. We are going to take a retrospective on the whole season that has just gone, 2018-19, the glorious season that it was. Um, and we're going to do it in two parts because uh, <laughs> we want to actually do justice to it and, and not just read out 46 sets of results. So, um, yeah, I think, I think one thing to bear in mind for both of us, I guess, is to try and... Yeah, the emphasis on the word retrospective here, I want us to try and remember how we felt at the time, I guess. And, yeah. You know, were we, yeah, what our kind of mood was, our expectations for the season, and yeah, I guess try and, you know, relive some of those memories along the way. But um, yeah, let, let's start. We're going all the way back, uh, what, 11 and a half months here to the pre season last year. And we'll quickly run through some of the the big events that took place in that in that summer leading into the season. Um, the first thing to say is we didn't actually sign a player till June 18th, which was Dean Henderson on loan. So, you know, I, I, I also am sad that we've not signed like five key first teamers for the Premier League next season. But I think it is worth also remembering that last season it was it was a good sort of month or so before our transfer business got going. Anyway, um, yeah, Henderson came in on loan. Uh, I think at the time we were pretty pretty happy with this. I remember wanting. I, I was quite disappointed that we didn't hang on to Jamal Blackman, but. From what I, what little I knew of Henderson, and I'd seen him playing for Shrewsbury in the playoffs, he looks like a good young keeper. Were you were you quite excited by that one, or were you a bit like, eh, we'll see how it goes? Yeah, no, very excited by that one. I think at the time, um, he was always statistically a bit better than Blackman. I think we 
he was keen on Blackman in season and we spoke after the season and it was like when you actually look back it was he did he did a, a job you know he, he was a steady six it was six like a half. league average goalkeeper when Abs- you actually looked absolutely at yeah no, nothing exceptional but also not really a clanger guy did, did pull off some nice saves but didn't save his points either mm. um, so you know when you looked at, looked at that and looked what Henderson was doing at Shrewsbury you thought okay this, this is this was potentially a step up despite a bit of age difference and didn't I don't think any of us envisaged the character he was, but then you saw the Shrewsbury fans saying that they love this kid after a one-year loan. Mm. And it just made you think that, that can't just be a one-off thing. Um, you know, that can't just be because he's a good goalkeeper. There must be more to it than that. And it's, yeah, that's, recency, by, recency biases have told us there is a lot more to it than that. Yeah, that's uh, very much proved an astute signing. And yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully he'll still be here next season and uh, we'll be having the same conversation in 12 months' time. But yeah, then we moved on to a, a slightly controversial subject, uh, certainly <laughs> for you. 1st of July, David Brooks signs for Bournemouth for a reported £10 to £12 million. Now, I'm nerdy. I went back and uh, listened to an old podcast and, and I was talking about this. Um, and at the time, we I think it's fair to say we we got it, but we weren't overly happy with it. Um, yeah. And then as the season kind of progressed into like three or four weeks, we certainly yourself was progressively less happy with it because Brooks suddenly looked fantastic, and in fact, he's is in been in most of the sort of signing of the season conversations that I've kind of seen <laughs> retrospectively. So, but then you have to say, you know, it, I think I think what it comes down to is it would have been great to get some more money for Brooks, but the amount that we did get enabled us to do some things, not necessarily in this transfer window, but in the January transfer window, which we'll come on to in the next podcast as well. So, I think. I don't know. Am I being simplistic in saying like that worked? That that move that worked for all parties. What do you think? Yeah, it's really hard not to have recency bias in your head at this point, isn't it? Because it clearly did in the end. Because what we found out when you look at the accounts and the, and the, the ownership battle is that that money's probably bought as John Egan. Mm. I think that's probably fair. So yeah, retrospectively, yes, one hundred percent. I was right. I still think it probably is. My personal feelings on Brooks is I love him. I think he's the most talented player I'll ever see in a Blaze shirt. I think mean, he'll go on and do big, big things. But at the same time, you cannot turn down a club record fee when you've just been... We'd only just been promoted into the league one year. Mm. you know, and, and, and 12 million quid to, to Sheffield United is, is an awful lot of money. It doesn't sound like it in modern-day football, but it, just, it was at the time. It just was. Um, so, yeah, it, it probably... Still now, he's even the right deal, even if Brooks goes for 60, 70 million in a year's time. It, it still probably was the right deal. Let me ask you this. How do you feel about that deal right now? Happy. <laughs> As okay. I say, I, I think I, I, I'm actually happy now. I, Brooks has gone on, done brilliant. I think we'll have a sell-on, hopefully. So if he gets sold on, he will profit again. And we got John Egan. Yeah, we, and, we... and I remember Wilder uh, sort of towards the end of this transfer window saying, you know, I think he said, like, I haven't even touched, or we haven't even touched the David Brooks money yet. Um, um, which may be a slightly yeah. disingenuous way of saying it, but um, or not accurate way of saying it. <sighs> but it did uh, it did mean that we could go and spend a bit in January on players who were on big wages. There, yes, yes, I think I'm I'm not sure even probably Wilder really knew what was going on above in terms of what he thought was there, and then was it there in January? But yes, there was certainly that 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 sale gave us Egan. 
Mm. And then and then potentially gave us the money for the loan fees in January because when you actually add them up, a couple of million quid they're spent. Yeah. If these guys are on 35, 40 grand a week and we took them on on full wages for, you know, six, what was it six month loans? That's yeah, you know a couple of million months, quid. Yeah. So, yeah. So quite easily uh, totted up over the season. So yeah, it's it, it definitely worked out for us because we got promoted, so it's paid for itself. But it just. They're two individual things, aren't they? There's the deal itself, which was turned out to be good, but then there's losing Brooks, and, and I would always want to see Brooks in a Sheffield United shirt yeah. because I just I just loved the kid. He was he was he was brilliant, and he had a virus for four weeks. Yeah, I think it was even longer. Oh, certainly if you factor in his recovery, it was even longer than that one. It was a good good couple of months. But yeah, okay, I'm, I'm glad you're feeling better about that one. Anyway, that's, that's, <laughs> that's reassuring. Um, preseason kicks off. Uh, we beat Stocksbridge, Park Steels. We win in Portugal against Maritimo, I believe that's how it's pronounced. And then we beat Bradford City as well. Um, at this point, actually, we have David McGoldrick on trial because I believe he scored in that game against Bradford. Now, yeah. I am not misremembering, but some people were, some people on Twitter, and I know if you look on Twitter, you will always find some people who have this opinion. They were not happy with David McGoldrick coming in on trial. And I urge us all to remember this when we inevitably sign someone this summer that makes you go, eh, him, is, is he really going to be good enough? Is that really the level of player we can attract? Um, yeah, we, we, a lot of people didn't want us to sign McGoldrick. You know, washed up, Ipswich, you know, were not a very good team. Injury history, free transfer. I think he was 30 or about to turn 30 at that point. And uh, yeah, that that turned into an incredible signing. To be honest, like the guy ended up winning the uh, the Player of the Season award and was just an absolutely, <laughs> absolutely key cog of that. So yeah, I just, I just urge people to remember that one when we sign someone that doesn't raise eyebrows, or rather does raise eyebrows, I suppose, for the wrong reasons. Yeah, absolutely, hundred <laughs> percent. That was just what we what's become known as a wilder, wasn't it? That one, just yeah. a left field signing out of nowhere that on paper looks. Just Raj, it just looks like uh, you're thinking, why? Like, you know, I, I know that a couple of years ago, there was a lot of money turned down from Ipswich and McGoldrick when he was, he was good, you know, quite in his prime, if you will, um, playing well, playing games. But then the last few seasons, he's hardly, like we've looked at the numbers, we won't go over them all the time, but he's hardly completed more than 30 games, if at all. Yeah. He's certainly not scored more than 13 goals. So you're thinking, this is... That we all knew we had a problem because Leon Clark was not going to score 19 again. Mm-hmm. We didn't know that Billy was going to get 20 or plus again. We, me and you said as much. So we knew we needed some goals from somewhere and we, we signed a player on a free transfer who is injury prone and who doesn't score more than 10 generally. I mean, where where Wilder pulled that from? I have no idea. To be no, quite frank. I, mean, I think you and I were quite optimistic about it, but it was optimistic in the terms of at the very least, there'll be an upgrade on Clayton. Excuse me, Clayton it's, Donaldson. He will be an improvement as a fourth striker option. I I almost feel embarrassed for me and you that uh, even though we were optimistic, which is better than so our comparison was against Clayton Donaldson, which <laughs> I feel so bad yeah. for Didsy now. It's turned out to be probably our best player. Yeah, but yeah, insane, insane signing. Definitely. Uh, just before that, uh, just before McGoldrick signed permanently, uh, with the club record signing John Egan for. Three and a half to four million. It was reported as four million. Uh, the club itself said it was a club record fee. Wilder, after the after we got promoted, was saying it was three and a half million. But I would imagine it would go to that upper amount, seeing as we got promoted. But again, I mean, at the time, you and I certainly, um, I'm pretty sure you and I were really happy with that because it's like fits the profile of what we need. You know, this, this strong central defender. The va- is the amount we're spending is probably 
the upper limit of his value at that point. I think we both sort of said that, but yeah. good, good signing should do a good job. And yeah, did a did a great job. That was another absolute tick of a signing, I think. Yeah, yeah, very, very quick on this one. Again, it's hard not to be retrospective on him. Obviously, it's turned out. But one thing that is very, very common in the strategy of United in the last couple of years has been sign sign players who were either captains at their club or who were leaders at their club, as well as being talented. Mm. And, you know, Egan was a captain of Brentford. And we all know if, if a Brentford fan says they're, they're bad, they turn out to be good for United, um, <laughs> which is good for Ollie Watkins' links. Um, yeah. but, but over and above that, it, 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 we all spoke in the summer about how we, we love Stearman, solid pro, never going to let you down, but we did have an issue aerially and we did have an issue bringing the ball out from the back, Definitely. which we, we, we did discuss. We wrote things on it. We looked at that and uh, and that it just it was solved. It was solved. I know it wasn't solved instantly. We'll probably talk about that when we talk about post-Borough game reaction, but hmm. it, it, it's to, you know it, it didn't take long. It was completely solved and, and what a guy he's turned out to be, so... Definitely. What a transfer window! What a transfer window, really. It was good. There was a couple more uh, right at the end of it, but we we had a nil nil draw with Mansfield Town in a friendly. We drew with Inter at Bramall Lane. Inter Milan came to Bramall Lane, and what a goal! Yeah, that was a really good goal. And um, yeah, I also remember, I think it was Lundstrom sort of unfortunately put one of their players out for the count in that game as well. We we were trying quite hard. It was quite an intensive game. And uh, yeah, I remember Henderson making a couple of good saves as well. But yeah, it was just a, a nice occasion in the sun, that one. Um, a one-all draw. And then pre-season finish with a 2-0 win our way at Doncaster Rovers. Um, just before the season started, uh, Ben Woodburn signed on a season-long loan. Uh, I don't think we need to go into any more detail on that because we've talked extensively mm. about, uh, you know, we're quite quite high on the potential of him, but it just didn't work out whatsoever. Um, Kean Bryan, 2nd of August, signed on a free ta- free transfer as well, uh, having been released from Manchester City, uh, basically did did nothing all season, barely, barely ever in the squad, apart from um, the Barnet Cup game is the only time I ever saw him. And yeah, I guess you, it, I don't know what kind of deal he's on, but probably... Uh, Probably unlikely to feature for us in the immediate future, uh, at the very least. So, moving on, the actual season, 4th of August, kicks off with United at home to Swansea City, newly relegated from the Premier League. Uh, it was a 5.30 kickoff, I believe, on the Saturday, so pretty much everyone else had already played by this point. Another glorious sunny day. Um, United's team, if you look back at it, it's... Uh, yeah, it's slightly surprising in a way. Egan made his debut at his Henderson. We started with McGoldrick and Clark up front, Lee Evans and John Lundstrom in midfield, George Baldock at right back. Um, I think the subs are quite revealing looking at that one. So Duffy came on in the 87th minute and yeah, Sharp yeah, in the yeah. 79th. Um, yeah, that if you look back at that team and the transformation that we saw over the coming weeks, I mean, it's, it's quite startling really, but... Yeah, I mean, what's your what's your memories from uh, from this game? It was obviously a, a, a very disappointing two one defeat to a a team we didn't think were going to do all that well. Swansea City, you know, we thought they'd be decent, but probably mid table kind of range. What was your feelings or memories from this one? Hey, for a long time, it was it was probingly good, wasn't it? We didn't create a bunch, but it was it was good. We got McAllister in once or twice. Um, but the thing for me that, that struck was the, the Baldock goal was a great goal and it, we spoke about Baldock versus Freeman and it looked like we'd had this organised chaos sorted where you could break the shackles of the system and go where you wanted and it, that looked like a new development for this year. Yeah, it was popping so up that, sort of that left channel, wasn't it, Baldock, from, from the right? 
Yeah, exactly. And then getting on the end of the cross, you know, coming around across the box and lunged him a centimetre on the left. Yeah, it was really, really nice. That um, So that gave you a lot of hope for the season. But then for me, there was issues, you know, especially because of the result, not just, we're not result orientated, me and you, but it was. Bramall uh, you, you, Lane, we, we don't tend to lose games that we're ahead of. That's that's our thing. Mm. Um so it it wasn't great. Um, we absolutely got shredded when they brought Jefferson Montero on, who just yeah. destroys us and then never plays for anyone else. He's, he's so crazy, his career. Um, but he just absolutely destroyed us. Um, and it, it left some some question marks. Uh, Egan especially wasn't great in that game. Bash mm-hmm. wasn't great. Obviously, we didn't see Duffy and Sharp because they, they didn't play. Well, if you say Duffy 89, but it didn't really play. But also, it was the, the ball ball progression we had a lot of it but we, we didn't really go anywhere with it a lot of the times um, yeah. I, I remember that distinctively although it was Evans who spam one out for, for the first goal initially it wasn't the greatest you know when you look back now to how we play again it's, it's not trying to do that too often but there was a big difference it was a continuation of the previous season in terms of a lot of ball a lot of play this time we didn't create a lot and then we got caught um, and it, it just left a bit of a sour taste because the previous season we, we slightly tailed off towards the end after a brilliant season and it just made you think oh, <laughs> we're, still, we're still there aren't we we're yeah, still that it was a lot of flashbacks to losses the previous season where we you know we're kind of at the very least in the game and competitive and then oh look we concede in the last five minutes and lose and yeah it was it was frustrating I mean just, no, just to I guess remind of what we're going to do here we're going to we'll go through every game but we'll kind of skip over some of them and we've got some like actual kind of talking and turning points uh, along the way and I think this next game is very much one of those so we went to Middlesbrough in a game that was moved up I believe from the Wednesday um, oh, so we we lost 3-0 to Middlesbrough and actually went to the bottom of the league by virtue of playing before any other team uh, apart from Middlesbrough obviously at that time um, and yeah this was this was a, a horror show of a performance frankly I mean I think Borough scored. I'm pretty sure they scored from their first two corners. Uh, Aidan Flynn inevitably scored again, uh, and then Stuart Downing made it three nil after 25 minutes. And yeah, oh boy, it's it, you know you and I definitely try not to overreact, but this was a tough one to take at the time. You know, you lose those first two games. I think we all expected that Middlesbrough would be near the top of the league, and they've actually ended up having a pretty crap season. And um, well, the Pulis has now uh, left, doesn't he? I mean, though, he's left, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, but yeah, this this was an absolute shocker. And again, I believe we had uh, Evans and Lundstrom in midfield, um, Clark up front. I'm just going to check that now, actually. Uh, da, 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 da. Um, yeah, Clark and McGoldrick up front. It looks like it actually we went with ex- exactly the same starting eleven. Um, and yeah, it was uh, not good, and uh, you know, led to some. I imagine some people panicking a little bit. And it, it, as I say, it's hard not to in some ways. Well, we were bottom of the league. Yep. Which, exactly, which, regardless of when it is, regardless of why it is, people panic. Um, The forum's going to overload, especially after a transfer window, especially after your record signing is is pretty awful in that game. Yep. Regardless of whether it was directly his fault, and I remember doing the piece on it where I showed some of them were his fault, it was more the fact that he's brought in as a dominant centre-half and you concede three. Yeah, it's and you know how Borough are going to play. This is not a difficult thing to analyse. Mm. Um, but actually, I do remember writing the expected goals one at, when I did the, the piece of what that means. And actually, when you look back at that game, although it was game state, we were three 0 down. There was some green shoots in the second half. 
Yeah, we did um, create some chances, didn't we? Clark missed a couple of really good chances. In uh, Evans, yeah, Evans missed a couple of sitters as well. Woodburn actually came on and did okay in that game. He actually put some good balls in the box. Yeah, but it was it, there were some green shoots in the second half in terms of playing better in terms of on the ball. But yeah, woeful defensively. And after we, what we'd done against Swansea, which was a bit of a collapse as well, you're thinking to yourself, "Oh wow," mm. um, you know, this whole and it wasn't to do with overlapping centre halves because they were set pieces, but this this whole league might swallow us up here um, you know again not overreacting but just physicality wise we didn't look up to it at that point we, Egan was struggling in a three big time which was right because we saw in the next game he was because he, he didn't start Yeah, uh, so well, he, I, he went to right centre back didn't he so. he did yeah I mean I think also if you look at you know, say Clark and McGoldrick, and you know, people were still in that mind of McGoldrick of like, why, you know, should this guy be starting for us? Like, two, yeah, three, he... two thirty something journeyman, you know, big question marks about both of them, even off off the back of Clark's great season, and yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, negativity, understandably, I suppose, after those two games. Yeah, and he wasn't. He, you know, again, we look at numbers and things. He wasn't posting any numbers of any real relevance either. Mm. You know, it wasn't like there was an underlying trend, kind of like there was, which we'll get onto in future of his season, where you thought, okay, missing chances, but that'll come. You know, the numbers are good, the XG is good. No, none of that. It, there was just nothing. There was really nothing apart from a couple of missed chances at three 0 down, which you can take with a pinch of salt. Yeah, uh, and it was. It was. Yeah, it was it was worrying, regardless of how positive you are and how much time there was left. It was definitely worrying. It was, and it got even more worrying after half an hour of our next game, which was also away. I mean, I, I think this again is something we should focus on a bit because it, it ends up being our first points, our first win of the season, a come from behind win against QPR. Again, no real idea how good QPR are going to be this season, but yeah, we went a goal down after half an hour, and you're just thinking like, oh my god, we we are actually going to lose our first three games and be bottom of the league and. You know, all those kind of thoughts are running through your mind. But fortunately, um, Kieran Freeman was in for Bulldog. He sets up sharp just for halftime. Uh, McGoldrick scores a penalty in the second half. United win 2-1. And it's that was big. That was really big, I think. Just yeah, to, yeah. I guess it's always big to get your first win of the season. But, you know, if, you, if we ended up losing those three games, um, the season may have turned out very differently, I guess. But, yeah, as you say... Um, we moved Egan to right centre back. Stearman came in for this one. Um, we had Basham in midfield as well. So this was we did. Um, this was the beginning of the breakup of Lundstrom and Evans in midfield. So uh, Evans was actually not in the eleven at all. Actually, so we must have had. No, it wasn't. What do we do here? Do we go four four two? Duffy started for the first time. Uh, oh, I guess it was Duffy, Basham, and Fleck, and then Sharp yeah, started as well. So. Yeah. Yeah, there was, you know, that is that is a lot of uh, juggling of the team, I guess. And again, that, there's an easy narrative there if we lose that game of like, does Wilder actually know what he's doing in this season? Like, you know, we're just like throwing stuff at the wall here to see what sticks. But but this one definitely worked. It was a much better performance. It wasn't vintage by any means. You know, it was, it was still a bit grindy, but we got the three points and that's what mattered. And yeah, you uh, that that was lift off really. That that was what we needed to sort of settle any nerves and and also I think start to stumble onto. I guess, I guess it reflects that realization that that midfield pairing of Evans and Lundstrom needed to be upgraded on and moved on from. I think which which happened next, I suppose. But yeah, any any other thoughts on QPR? No, I just agree. It was massive. It was absolutely massive. It was obviously one thing that we had been told by Wilder all throughout was not to worry about Sharp and Duffers. You know not being ready or, or being off or whatever or fallings out they just weren't quite fit yeah. which at their age and this is not a criticism is absolutely acceptable 
and, and that's not to say they weren't fit because of their all. I'm just saying they probably need more time. And obviously, yeah. Billy had a couple of injuries. Niggles last year, Duffy had a big, big season in terms of minutes. Even though he kept getting substituted off, it was still a big season for minutes in him, and because a lot goes through him, um, regardless of how many minutes he plays, so or did. So it was, you know, it, it was completely understandable, and we were a marketable, marketable better side when they were in. Um, obviously, gave us a focal point in the area for the cutbacks that Freeman delivered, and also we just defended properly. I mean, we kicked and headed things in that game. I remember it and it was a grind. It wasn't great. They had a lot of more shots, QPR. Mm. Um, Henderson had to make a couple of pearlers as well. And it was a grind and a very important one at that. It was. Uh, I mentioned Lee Evans was not in the team. Uh, the reason for that is he was actually sold to Wigan. Sold two days, to Wigan. Two, two days, days before, before yeah. this game, yeah. yeah. Um, so that was on the permanent transfer deadline. After this game, I mentioned the midfield upgrade. Ollie Norwood signs on one of these uh, fabled loan-to-buy deals, which I don't believe you can do anymore in the Championship. I think they've uh, no. ruled it out now. But yeah, so what happened there was we loaned him until January with an, an agreement that he would join permanently at that point. And yeah, that was, uh, I mean, we've talked at length about the massive impact he had on our season. And, you know, we, we saw that immediately made his debut uh, against Hull in the EFL Cup uh, midweek after this uh, QPR win, which we actually lost on penalties. But, you know, Norwood looked fantastic and all right, it was only the EFL Cup and we didn't even win. But it was, again, an encouraging step. And then he made his, de- his, his proper debut, I suppose, league debut that weekend against Norwich City, who we beat. One of the few teams to beat Norwich in this season. Obviously, at that point, we didn't know how good they were going to be. Although, I will say, we did talk about how Norwich were creating chance after chance in those first three games and looked like one of the best teams in the league, even though their results were not there at all at that point. Um, We we did indeed. They had won their XG battle in all their games previously. Yeah. So, they they were... already in a very small sample size underperforming and they had players like Onel Hernandez at the top of the XA and creative charts so they were they were on it already they just weren't quite getting the results but I just I remember doing like the stats on that game and and, and they I mean these are all probably set pieces because it's Norwood but six, six chances created in that Norwich game yeah I was like we had not seen that previously in the previous two seasons in terms of from a centre mid I mean Fleck was great in League One great in the championship but and it's, even if it's a set pieces I don't really care he's obviously assisted the Egan goal didn't he in that game he did but and he was, uh, Egan missed a, probably an, an easier chance off the Norwood corner in that game as well did definitely but yeah but just, just six chances created quite astonishing really but that was another one that was another bit of a grinder um, played better but not great yeah but what, what a way to end it and that really was a momentum shifter yeah, it really was. Yeah, Jordan Rhodes equalised for Norwich in the first half and then 93rd minute, uh, Basham floats a fantastic ball to the back post. McGoldrick taps it across and Sharp with his, I mean, it couldn't be anyone else, could it? Sharp basically on the line, bundles it in. And uh, yeah, great great scenes, brilliant win. That was uh, Henderson running the full length of the pitch to get involved in the celebrations. And yeah, suddenly everything looks uh, a lot rosy, you know. We've got uh, six points from our first four games. It's not amazing, but it's... It's not uh, it's not trouble either, um, and a first home win as well. Um, we then went to Bolton uh, and won three nil. I don't think we need to say too much about that one, apart from no. uh, Flex scored an amazing or finished off an amazing team goal. I should say uh, Bolton were third in the league at the time. I remember us talking about that one and how ridiculous it was, and that they were probably still going to get relegated. And yeah, that's very much how that one proved. Um, 
so yeah, not not too much to add to that one. Basically, United turned up and beat a crap team, as we we ended up doing for pretty much the whole of the season. So yeah, that's a, a tick that one off. Uh, the next one was Aston Villa at home, uh, and yeah, we absolutely thrashed them. The performance of the season, probably um, people were you know saying afterwards, it's the best half they've seen from a United team in like fifty years. We're three nil up at half time. Villa fans, I remember, were fighting amongst themselves in the Bramall Lane end. It was it was devastating stuff. Uh, just a, a, a magical day, really. And and obviously, as it's as it's proved, Aston Villa one of the best teams in the Championship. I know they were a little bit of a mess uh, back then, you know, under Steve Bruce. Frankly, uh, you know, they didn't have Tammy Abraham who signed on loan around that time, but not in time to play against us. But yeah, what a day that was. Uh, and yeah, four one. If anything, I thought four one slightly flattered Villa because we completely destroyed him. We, we did, hundred percent. We did. You see, it's interesting looking at it back on retrospectively because we for that first half we basically scored off everything. Yes, yeah, so we, right. we, we basically so you know just looking at the data side of it, we, we didn't actually take loads of shots and loads of chances. We were just deadly, but we passed them off the park. We absolutely played them off the park, um, dominated them in terms of territory. And it looked as though there was a chasm between the two sides, which mm. when you look at the, the budgets and the personnel on paper, there shouldn't be. Um, and it, it just looked like there was a chasm, didn't it? One side looked like they knew exactly what they were doing, exactly what their game plan was and how to implement it. And the other side looked like they couldn't even be bothered. And and, and that's not to say our lads, you know, our Villa were poor. That's to say our lads made them look like that. We ran them off the pitch as well, mm. outworked them. Um, and it was, it was our... our our John Lundstrom moment of the season, of course, as well. Yeah. You know, the performance may have been great, but I think we all remember probably more than anything, the Lunny on Grealish tackle. Absolutely. Um, yeah, O'Connell got his first goal in forever. Uh, Duffy with a fantastic goal from long range. Uh, Norwood, his first goal for us as well, and Sharp made it three goals in three games for him as well. And suddenly, four league wins in a row, looking really, really good. We then went into an international break. And, oh, did we not like international breaks this season? Uh, we played Bristol City out of um, coming out of that break and lost 1-0. Tight game, could have gone either way, really. But, uh, but yeah, not too much to say. It was a proper proper could have gone either way kind of game. And, yeah, we just, just lost and Bristol were. Bristol City, excuse me. Um, I believe we're in, in or around the top six at that point anyway. So, yeah, then we played Birmingham at home, uh, a 0-0 draw. Uh, we were not very good at all. We rested players in this game. Marvin Johnson made his debut. Oh, I'm, I'm skipping too far ahead, actually. So You are. Yeah, where are we going here? Da, 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 da. Oh, I've, I've missed out some a whole a whole raft array of, of raft of transfers, in fact. Yeah, yeah the, we had the loan deadline back in August. So 31st of August, just before the Aston Villa game. Connor Washington signed on a free transfer. QPR very generously terminated his contract so he could sign for us. Marvin Johnson signed on a season-long loan. Martin Craney signed on a free transfer. And we sold Ryan Leonard to Millwall on a loan to buy. Um, all of those kind of... I guess the Marvin Johnson one we talked about was like, didn't work. But I remember at the time we were like, yeah, good. Let's give uh, Ender Stevens some uh, some covers. Yeah, some yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Johnson had played predominantly as a a left winger rather than a left wing back, um, certainly when he was at Oxford, I believe. Um, so, you know, that that would be a good fit in the way that we try and play because obviously wing backs basically play as wingers in our system most of the time. Uh, Craney, we were very happy with. as like, yeah, experience, big tick, like 
just good rotation player. The Leonard sale was slightly surprising, but at the same time, not a huge blow, I don't think. It's really weird, this, because I was okay with selling him, but I also thought he does plug that gap. Mm-hmm. He can play right centre-back. He can play centre-mid. He is similar to Bash in terms of he's more about his physicality and drive than his technical ability. Um, but he's a big lad as well, over six foot, so he can cover those two roles. Could also probably have played right wing back if needed. Yeah. So he was versatile and covers a lot of roles. And you th- actually, when you think the money we got for him, doubling our money on a player who isn't your first team player, you sell him. 100%. It makes great business sense. You know, yeah. it, it is 100% what you do. You have a, a squad player who you can double your money on. Yeah, you sell him 100%. But the weird thing is, is we're probably still in a position where we could be doing with that type of player now. Mm. Not just uh, not not Leonard, but, but someone who can cover. Multiple we haven't positions. so we've ov- we've obviously released Craney, yeah. Um, so we don't have a right centre back cover now. We 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 don't. I mean, I'm I'm sure Egan or Steeman could go out there if needed, and the other one come in the middle. But we don't really have one that yeah. is bash bash type, and we don't really have the physical centre mid unless Bash goes in there, which we don't have cover for at right centre back. So it's quite weird that I actually think we might look in that area. Um, uh, in the summer, but yeah, it was. It, I'm happy with that. I'm, I'm even more happier in that sale on reflection, if you will, because I don't think Ryan Leonard is worth 1.5 million pounds. No, and he did arrive for Millwall, didn't he? But you know, pretty, pretty yeah. league average midfielder. Really. If you're if you're getting a million quid for Ryan Leonard, you, you, and that's not criticism. I mean, you, yeah, it's great business. You've done well considering we got Ollie for two million, and yeah. we obviously got another mill for Evans as well. Those two players got us Ollie Norwood. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I'd probably probably do that deal every time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So going back to our Birmingham game, yeah, we we rotated quite a few players. Uh, Washington and Johnson both started, I believe. Uh, we were not good, uh, and in in the end, indebted to um, Birmingham missing some chances. I think they hit the post, and Dean Anderson made a great save from Jota, who uh, frustratingly looks like he's going to sign for Aston Villa because um, I kind of would like him to sign for Sheffield United, but. I'm sure yeah. he's pretty big wages, so not not too uh, not too surprised at that one. Um, so yeah, two games without scoring uh, and only one point, but then we rattled off four wins in a row. Um, we beat Preston at home three two in a, a wild game where we blew a two goal lead after being completely dominant, um, and then went straight back down the other end. And McGoldrick got an eight seventh minute winner. Uh, we had another three two win a, f- a week later at Millwall, which. Um, yeah, I know Millwall kind of finished the season down near the bottom, but that was a, that, a, a really impressive win. Felt big that at the time. We we struggled at Millwall the previous season, home away and home, and we struggled well, and, with that physical... the previous season to that as well. Yeah, we did. We we just struggled with physicality, that direct approach and their intensity, especially at the Den, and that felt big because we didn't we didn't kick them off the park, we didn't grind it out, we played them off the park. You know, even into the 90th minute, playing those little triangles around the corner and setting up a goal that's tapped in from two yards out, that's that's the sign of a class team. Yeah. And the mentality to keep going up and getting ping brought back to level and going again, that was a strong mental performance, that. But I just want to, the only other thing I want to add after Millwall was, can you remember this being the time where everyone said, even though we're winning, we can't defend? And how this was going to catch up with us later <laughs> in the season. Can you yeah. remember that at the time? Where, where I, I remember, are the clean sheets, yeah. I remember defending tweets like, ones and twos are fine, as you know, right now, with more points are important. It'll come. Nah, nah, nah. Clean sheets. You know, we need clean sheets. This is going to catch up with us. Yeah, that that went that went well. Yeah, 
it, it did catch up with us in that we uh yeah ended up getting clean sheets all the clean sheets that we deserved yeah um so yeah that that was a big win as you say uh it, we we played really really well we'd gone ahead through sharp we missed yes. a penalty shot missed a penalty as well uh, yeah. And then, yeah, uh, as with the previous game, conceded, conceded two goals in just a couple of minutes to go 2-1 down. Uh, I believe the second one from Lee Gregory was actually assisted by Mr. Ryan, uh, Leonard. Mr. Ryan Leonard as well, um, who we were fine with letting him play against us, apparently. We uh, didn't let um, Lee Evans play against us for Wigan a few weeks later. So that was an intriguing one. But yeah, McGoldrick, two late goals, one a penalty, and then a, a tap in after a great bit of work from Duffy, I believe it was, in the 88th minute. So yeah, big win that one. Uh, the next one was a, an even bigger win, I think. Uh, this is one, of, when you look back on it now, it's like just a uh, whatever. But at the time, yeah. we went to Blackburn Rovers, who were, I believe, 26 home games unbeaten, having been promoted yeah. from the League One the previous year. That was a tough game. Uh, we turned up. We played really, really well. Blackburn we, more or less didn't have an answer for us and won 2-0. That, that, for me, was the first... Looking back now, that was the first performance of this United team I see now, this incarnation. Because from minute one, we just knocked the ball around like they weren't even there. Yeah. We And, and that didn't stop all game. That There wasn't even... I can't even remember a spell, really, of concerted Blackburn pressure. We no. just... I'm not saying it could have been six or seven. We were just comfortable in third gear with an easy winner against a team who no one had gone and beat in ages, basically. And it, it, it was kind of the first signs of Ender's little flames burning and of his improvement with his quality delivery for Sharp. And yeah, two more goals for Sharp, yeah. And again, the Sharp and Ditty link up as well. Mm. It, it, you saw flowers of that blossoming as well. So that gave you a lot of, lot of kind of excitement and hope as well. I, I think the goal could. It definitely did. I mean, we've seen uh, you've probably seen uh, Roy's season awards, and I think he had Blackburn fans as the most. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, what, yeah. I don't know if it's like most respectful or most most, most positive about us. Yeah, yeah. But, but I I remember that uh, pretty clearly. And then when I read it back when he, he posted it um, a week or so ago, yeah, Blackburn fans were effusive in their praise. Um, you know, best best side we've seen at Ewood Park in years. That kind of thing. And yeah, that was that was good to hear. That was one of the first times. We'd heard that, I think, because the Villa fans, all they wanted to talk about was themselves, I think, which is fair enough when you've just got done 4-1 and you're supposed to be you know, near the top of the league. But yeah, big, big win, that one. Uh, followed it up with a, a pretty drab home win over Hull City. 1-0 win. Uh, I think another McGoldrick penalty. Yes, it was. Um, yeah, not not too much to say about that one. We, we didn't play very well at all, I didn't think, but Hull were not good either. So yeah, then we went into another international break. Boo. Came out of it, away at Derby County, top six team, tricky game. Oof, oof. And uh, what was it, 15 seconds we went behind? It was yeah, it wasn't not, not great. Um, just, not 19 lot. seconds, it says here. Uh, trying to find out who actually scored. Somebody called Bryson. So I want to say. Was it Bryson or Lawrence? It was Bryson. What's Bryson's first name? It's not e- Craig Bryson. Craig Bryson. Yeah. Is that real? That's not, I mean, yeah. You know, I suppose. Yeah, it's real. Craig Bryson, yeah. Who's who's Ian Bryson? Did he used to play for Chesterfield? <laughs> I'm just going to check this. Make sure I'm not just making this up. No, I think you're making this up. No, he played, oh, he used to play for United. Oh, my God, I'm going to have to delete this. <laughs> Look, I was four years old when he played for United. I knew I recognised the name. Apologies if anyone's, like, screaming at their, whatever they're playing podcasts on. Um, what so we, am I talking about? When, when we when we before we went into that derby game, we were actually top of the table. 
Am I right in saying that? I'm not sure. Top can, October, six of October. I think I remember. I think we were top of the table. Yeah, we were. After we beat Hull going into the international break, we were top of the table. You may well be right. I will. I will check that. But yeah, um, yeah, we were behind after 19 seconds, uh, and you know, Pride Park is packed. I mean, the atmosphere at Pride Park is is pretty artificial uh, with you know, drummer and dude at the front of the stand, like, <laughs> calling out the songs and stuff. But it is quite an intimidating atmosphere. And, you know, you, just in terms of, like, people are singing all the way through it. Um, and, yeah, you go 1-0 down and it's like, oh, God, after 20 seconds or whatever, it's like, we're going to get... We could be in for a batter in here. Yeah. And no, that's not what happened. I mean, we didn't win the game. We ended up losing. But, um, yeah, we, we just, like, set aside that early concession and just kind of... Um, yeah, just just went at them basically. Got an equaliser through Basham. Uh, great bit of play by Fleck. Basham pops up in the six yard box. We looked really, really good, but unfortunately, the second half dropped off a bit and ended up losing to a, a Jack Marrett goal in the seventy seventh minute. So yeah, another international break uh, curse. Another um, another top six team that we ended up losing to, and uh, yeah, slightly frustrating end to that one. Definitely. Um... I remember that being just 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 the the top six cursed conversation, wasn't it? it, it that's all it was at the time. Oh, we can't be good sides, um, which was pretty crazy considering where we were in the league. Obviously, at that point, just said we. I've just checked on who's got yet. Yeah, we were top of the table yeah, going into that game. That as well, yeah. So I, I won't check now. But after we lost that game, we were probably third. It's, it's an amazing season still. <laughs> and yeah. just looking back, people just waiting for us to fall again. I think. Um, but yeah, it it, it was. A brilliant first half, a brilliant equaliser. I thought we were going to go on and take them, and then we just didn't show up in the second half, and we looked leggy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they, they, I mean, it turned out as again as the seasons wore on, you saw they were actually one of the. I would say they were one of the fitter sides in the league. They, they consistently through the second half of the season, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think so. If their lack of game plan and quality was probably masked by individual quality and their fitness and just raw intensity that they had, they're, they're up there in the pressing stats. So. Yeah, probably makes sense actually on reflection what happened. Um, you know, be, being caught a bit leggy, but yeah, it wasn't great at the time, and and it led us on to not the greatest run in general. Either. Yeah, so I was surprised by this when I look back, but we went this put us on a little run of one win in six, which when you think yeah. that we finished second with uh, ninety-one points, eighty-nine points, I can't remember how many points. It's quite a big, big run, isn't it? Yeah, so we we drew it home with Stoke, which was oh, that was annoying because we the properly, error. Yeah, I mean we absolutely battered Stoke in that game. I mean we had so many chances. I remember the keeper making loads of saves, and we were missing loads of chances as well. And yeah, Clark eventually put us ahead, and then uh, a Joe Allen free kick just I won't say it trickled in, but it kind of sneaked into <laughs> the far, the bottom corner yeah. uh, in the eighty eighth minute and. That really was their only shot of any note in the entire game, and yeah, that was that was really frustrating. Again, off the back of the derby game, frustrating. Um, but we put things right in the next one, temporarily at least. Played Wigan at home, won four two. Um, a very exciting game, uh, and yeah, we we looked really really good in this one. Billy Sharp's first hat trick for United for ten years, I think it was. I think two thousand eight. Yeah, something was like that. Yeah. Some great individual moments. Obviously, the uh, the hat trick itself. It was a brilliant pass from um, uh, Norwood to set up one of those goals. Clark as well with a magnificent sort of first-time pass cross shot yeah, yeah, like for one of yeah. them as well. 
and yeah, just uh, just a, a very good win where we look. I remember Paul Cook afterwards, uh, the Wigan manager, saying, um, you know, they are the best team we've played this season. If anybody finishes above them, they probably win the league. And yeah, very very prescient of him to say so. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mentioned this was not a good run. Uh, we lost to Forest away one nil. Um, following this, Coop started this game, which did. I, I can distinctly remember messaging you, sort of like. Coot starting like, away at Forest. That's forest, quite a question marks. That's that's a sink swim situation. That one, isn't it? It is. So he'd he'd got back in. I mean, he was on the bench for the Villa game, but then he'd not really had many minutes. He didn't feature until Blackburn, which was third of October, which we yeah. talked about. Uh, he came, came on against Hull. Yeah. yeah, but that was a big call, and it didn't work at all. I think we I think we had a flat midfield three essentially. We if, did. Um, Coots, Fleck and Norwood and yeah we weren't very good again it kind of I won't say it could have gone either way because I think Forest were the only team really likely to win but we missed a we missed a Woodburn missed a big chance in the last minute I don't know yeah. it's not, this is not the Ben Woodburn negativity podcast but it was it was a hard one because he came quick at him and it was a reactionary chance rather than a you know an actual think about one but I think it should have been a draw should it, it? like a draw but, probably would have been a fairer result both sides were poor and yeah our minds were probably on what was coming next. Indeed, which was, of course, the Sheffield derby at home. Surely it's not going to be nil-nil again. We all said, I was on Radio Sheffield and everything, saying, like, yeah, it's definitely not going to be nil-nil. It's going to be much more exciting. Ugh. And uh, it, it really wasn't. Well, it, it was. was. It, no, it well, was, it was for, for about 20 minutes. minutes. Yeah, okay. So we tore we absolutely into... absolutely banged them. <laughs> we tore into Wednesday for 20 minutes. They could not live with us. And it ended with Duffy being brought down, McGoldrick with the penalty. You know, big, big, maybe not a what-if moment for the season, but a what-if moment for that game. We talked about it, didn't we, like, on the recent pod. Like, I think if McGoldrick scores that penalty, we probably win 3-4 or 5 nil because they were abject and they had no intention of getting into our half whatsoever. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, we, we just we just couldn't make it happen. I mean, you know, I, I, from from memory, we had all the right players on the pitch. You know, it wasn't like um, the previous it, home derby when Sharp didn't get on the pitch. But yeah, no, we, we, we just looked like we kind of ran out our ideas a little bit. and We, 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 we did, and I think that game was probably the embers of, of needing a Medine-type player. Mm. Um, because we just we ran out of our positional play, we ran out of the intricate stuff, and we had nothing else. No, and it was, this was the start of Woodburn not being involved. Woodburn, I don't even think was on the bench. It wasn't. I'm just it, looking now. Yeah. So I mean, and, and so you, you had nothing. You had absolutely nothing up top. We brought Clark on as a bit of a battering ram, but but Clark isn't that big physical type. He is a physical striker, but he's not a. a He's in between, isn't he? He's not a six foot four no. monster. He can win his aerial duels, but he's not a Medine type of player where you can just go direct to and work off. Yeah. Um, he's a bit different to that. So, I think I remember saying this at the time, but kind of significantly, we only made one substitution in that game. In we, a game where we were running out of ideas. Yeah, cause, we because only made we one change. Because Wilder had nothing. Exactly. Yeah, I, I absolutely had nothing. And, and yeah, you can see why in January he did what he did because. Yeah, those vital little one goals, or even the Connor Washington contribution. I know, I know he, he was there at the time, but just saying, those little moments help um, across the season. It builds a bit more than just the one moment that you, you remember at the time. So yeah, definitely. yeah, definitely. But that run, I mean, you, you'll go next, Rotherham next. Um, yeah, which was shockingly poor by us. But that run was a weird run because we weren't winning games. But won the XG battle against Stoke, 
Forrest was about equal, won the XG battle against Wednesday. And actually, although Rotherham completely battered us in terms of chance quality, it was about the same as well. So even though we weren't getting the result, uh, results of performances, weren't, weren't great, but were good. Yeah, definitely. Overall. Um, yeah, because yeah, just to, to skip on to that uh, Rotherham game then. So we had another international break, so yet again played poorly after it. Drew two all at Rotherham. As you say, we, we were poor in this game, but weirdly had some great chances. Duffy put us ahead, had like a one-on-one. Uh, McGoldrick had one somehow cleared off the line. I've no idea how. I think we had some other chances as well. Basham actually put us back in the lead in the 85th minute with one right on the goal line. But then, uh, yeah, Marvin Johnson ran into a blind alley. Uh, ball took a couple of deflections and in, on its way into the goal for a, a deserved equaliser for Rotherham. And, yeah, very frustrating. As I said, that ended that run. Um, or rather, this is the part of that six-game run. Um, I'm not sure. Actually, I can check very quickly where we were in the table at that point. So that is after eight. I think we were fourth or fifth because I've just looked where we were before the Brentford game, funnily enough. I think we were fourth. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, we were, we were fifth, yeah. It's a little bit disappointing. But yeah, then we went to Brentford, um, as you say. Tough game, always a tough game. They were great at home this season. Um, and yeah, we went a goal down to uh, Morpie after six minutes. Um, <laughs> and again, you're thinking, oh, flipping egg, you know, <laughs> what's going on here? But then, yeah, we, we really turned it on in this game. We were, we were absolutely brilliant. Um, it, it was almost frustrating that it was three only 3-2 in the end. Um, but yeah, it was... A great, a really, really good performance. Norwood scored an absolute screamer. Connor Washington's finest hour. He started. Uh, he started <laughs> yeah, he started this game. Yeah, he started this uh, game. Yeah. Set up the winner for Clark. Generally looked an absolute menace. You know, we were really trying to exploit Brentford's. Um, yeah, Fleck guess, was looking over the top every time. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was very encouraging. And uh, back to winning ways. Everybody feels much better. Really big win that one. Um, and then we had Leeds at home, 1st of December, uh, a 1-0 defeat with Dean Henderson's... Yeah, we, Dean Henderson gave him the game, basically, just messed up his uh, clearance, and uh, Hernandez, I believe it was, knocked it in. And that was, again, frustrating. Lost to a top-six team, had competed with a top-six team, probably should have beaten a top-six team. But, end of the day, another defeat, another frustrating one. How did you, how did you feel after that one? <sighs> hurt <laughs> that hurt because in the first half an hour you've obviously got this Bielsa factor leads were flying at that point they were top of Christmas weren't they mm-hmm. um, I know that weren't quite Christmas then but they were flying and we had apps we, we, I wouldn't say we battered them but for me we, we were complete domination for, for the first half missed a brilliant chance in the first he half did. and then McGoldrick had a good one as well he did in the second half, yeah, and it was it was to start. Well, it was in that run where McGoldrick had obviously missed a Wednesday penalty, he missed a sitter at Rotherham, he missed a sitter at Brentford, and he missed that sitter against Leeds as well. Mm-hmm. So they were big, important goals as well as big chances. Um, but yeah, it was it, it hurt that one because we had the second half was more even. They'd come into it, probably even shaded it, but the first thirty minutes, I mean, that's probably the only time in the whole season Leeds sat back. Yeah, I, 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 I think now, it's I, the only time this season, I heard this in the playoffs, we're the only team more possession. that's had more possession than them in a game. That's right. Season, and that was it. And that was all from the first half, because the second half was equal. They actually pressed us higher, and we mm. didn't cope with it very well. Um, and it, it pushed us back. So maybe it was a mistake, actually, by Leeds, and it showed the respect even someone like Bielsa has for someone like Wilder in the system, because mm. they came and actually camped in a little bit, um, which... They haven't done all season. They hadn't done it before then. They haven't done it since. They even went to Norwich and, you know, they actually battered Norwich when they went to Norwich. But they even 
when they played Norwich at home, they didn't even sit back even though they got pace. They went from full throttle. So yeah, there was a doubt. If you ever needed a sign of how good we were, you've got one of the best coaches in world football and he is, regardless of what we'll set our fans. He is. He just is. Yeah. Um, you know, and he's there saying things like, in, in, I think he said in the media before the game that, uh, you know, if people had studied Chris Wilder's system, they'd consider him a genius and revolutionary. Because that's what that's what this is. It, it's completely new. It's never been seen before, and he, he absolutely loves it. Yeah, and this is no. a man who obsesses. So it, it, it was such a shame when he win that game. Yeah, and to lose it was pretty sickening. And I, I still remember, even now, as I'm filing out of the cop, I remember Pontus Janssen cheering up all the Leeds fans <sighs> at full time. And uh, that's a yeah. that's a nice memory now, though. <laughs> it is. That's that's why I'm bringing it up. <laughs> anyway, uh, we then went to Reading, a uh, pretty routine win. Um, Reading were not good at this point, although actually it took us ages to score. We had loads of goals disallowed in this game. I remember I remember Goldrick scored like a fantastic sort of back heel mm-hmm. flick and we were like, oh, he's finally finished one after all these run and misses and then it was offside. But yeah, sharp 84 minutes and then a own goal by George's brother Sam in the 86 minute. But yeah, deserved comfortable win really. Um, yeah, yeah. And then, oh, look, another top six team come to Bramall Lane and get a pretty late winner uh, as we run out of ideas again, that being West Brom. So, yeah, this is, um, I don't know, I was this was this was a pretty low one, I think, as well, because, you know, we, we talked up West Brom, uh, deservedly so, particularly Harvey Barnes, and then we end up losing to uh, goals from Gareth Barry and Kieran Gibbs. And all right, Gibbs, Gibbs had a good season. And Gareth Barry has been a good professional footballer during his career. But, yeah... It was, uh, I'd say probably the Leeds one was more disappointing, but this just added to the theme of like, oh, we're, we're just like, even the league, even though we're still pretty high in the league table, we're like, we're just not quite in that elite group that these other teams are. And they maybe just have slightly more star power. And that's why it's an easy narrative to ascribe. I mean, look, the, the Leeds winner yeah. comes from the goalkeeper cocking up and giving yeah. them an empty net. But it still felt like they just have that little bit extra quality and that's why we lose these games. This one hurt a bit more for me in terms of that top six narrative. It actually kind of started to make sense because we'd gone after them in the first 20 Mm. and again, cut through them. The McGoldrick goal was brilliant. Great ball to him, great finish. And we we didn't quite create loads of clear-cut stuff, but in terms of pressure, pressing them back, pinning them in, we were all over them. Yeah. And and then it looked like we blew a gasket, basically. We, We, again, couldn't replicate that for the whole 90 we, we, we struggled to get the ball and start moving it forwards but then worse West Brom just just nipped us basically just they got that goal before half time when they'd been dominated for 30 minutes which which did change the game did change mm. the feeling but then the second half they they were all over us not in terms of chances but just in terms of gameplay I thought that they were, there was one side going to win it and it was them um, they, they just looked more threatening they looked more in control of what they were doing we, we we struggled quite badly and the goal came from the side that is their most dangerous side at the time, the whole Kieran Gibbs and Harvey Barnes side. So yeah, it, it, it was just like their quality shone through. And I think that was the feeling, wasn't it? That even though yeah. we were fourth in the table, our quality wasn't there. And that was kind of exacerbated with the next game, which is a one-all draw at lowly Ipswich. And yeah, Ipswich were terrible all season. They were terrible at this point. They took a surprise lead. Uh, we got an equaliser, but uh, yeah, only a draw. So a, a pretty flat end to the kind of pre-Christmas period. But to conclude this part of the podcast, things then took off a little bit immediately after Christmas. <laughs> so 
This is like this we, is this this is really the start of liftoff. I mean, if you look through our fixture list, there's a lot of green for wins on here at this point. And uh-huh. we played Derby at home on Boxing Day, and yeah, what what a game, what a win, what a it, feeling that was. Bit of revenge as well for the for the narrative bill in terms of feeling at the time. I've just looked, so we were sixth going into this game, only three points ahead of Forest in seventh. Right. So it was big. That you know, I, I counted. We only spent eight days out in the bottom half of the table which was predominantly eight days not games eight days of the whole season which was predominantly all the first couple of weeks and mm. there's only three or four three sides that spent less which is Leedsborough and weirdly Derby but oh, yeah. yeah so we were never in trouble don't get me wrong but for us you know this this because it was a top six side at the time because we lost to West Brom and Leeds in, in recent weeks this was huge and Derby earlier in the season as well yeah this was and and the fact that we went one nil up again, um, and it, or actually we didn't play that well when we went one nil up in this game. I remember that we, we weren't great. It was mm-hmm. a bit of a cut. It, it was quite a chancy goal. Jack just whipped one in, and somehow Billy Sharp won a header, which he did more than anyone else in the league because he scored the most header goals, which is really strange. But <laughs> it was that we were one nil up, but not exactly cruising. And then Wilson just scores this perler out of nowhere, which he did all season. Yeah. And you think to yourself, oh, here we go again. Um, and they were actually on top slightly. It felt like, I thought, momentum-wise. Um, mm. And then it just all changed, didn't it? It did. I mean, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I don't remember that too well. But I felt like in the second half, and perhaps it was just after that Wilson goal, I felt like we really stepped up and it was it, it was one of our better performances. And yeah, we, we flew into the McGoldrick, got, got us ahead. Clark got a later it, goal as well. But yeah, they they could was, not handle us in that second half. It was the goal, was it the goal celebration? I was trying to think of the incident, but I think it was the goal celebration, wasn't it? Where Lampard and Wilder had a bit of a set too. Oh, because uh, yeah, they, Wilson scored and there was like, uh, I think a they were melee. trying to get it out of the net and there was just like a big melee and obviously there was a, that donkey Keo was Keo in, involved. Yeah, Keogh was in there and Henderson just wanted to chin him and it was, yeah, it was all going off left, right and centre. But on the touchline, I think Wilder Lampard had a big set too and Lampard had also turned around and said something to the crowd and it's whipped so it was weird because that is the worst thing they've done in their season it really was because <laughs> it just it whipped Bramall Lane up into an absolute frenzy whipped Wilder up into a frenzy and then all of a sudden the players just went up five gears Yeah, and the intensity that we went out of them after that I, it was it was like boys against men it was it, glorious it, I mean I'm just looking at the like the match facts now and I remember still pressing them really late in the game and you know the, the match facts. You got Scott Carson got booked in the 89th minute. Uh, Nugent got booked in the 89th minute. This is all for them, like just basically losing the plot. Carson actually picked up a, I believe he picked up a back pass or something like that under pressure he from uh, one yeah. of our players. And yeah, I remember Keo like just dribbling it out of play, like under pressure, no idea what to do with it. It was it was glorious. It was a really really great win. I, I remember being um, like just really really giddy coming out of that one. Um, and yeah, we followed it up with the, the final game of this segment, the final game of 2018, 29th of December, Blackburn Rovers at home. A slightly anticlimactic game for a while. Um, Was, yeah. And then at 0-0 in the second half, Basham picked up his second yellow card. Uh, the first one was extremely soft, I would say. It was a, a good tackle in which he won the ball and referee decided to book him for it. Referee Anthony Taylor of the Premier League. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, when he got sent off, you're suddenly like, oh my Lord, we're... 
I remember us being like, we we just didn't have the ball at all for 20 minutes. We were just being, you know, Blackburn weren't creating much, but it was like just shuttling it around and we were not getting a kick at all. And uh-huh. then uh, Richard Smallwood decided to fly into a tackle on Sharp, two-footed, straight red. Suddenly it's 10v10. And uh, yeah, we scored two minutes later through Sharp. He scored again four minutes later. And then McGoldrick scored five minutes after that. Basically, when it went 10v10, Blackburn had like committed all their players to play 11v10. So they'd like changed their system, uh, brought on their subs. And suddenly yeah. it was all United and it was fantastic. Another another great afternoon, evening at Bramall Lane, really. A brilliant win, I thought. Yeah, it was one of the passes of the season, ended to Billy as well in that game. Mm. Um, was, there was some brilliant play as well. It was like, as soon as we got to 10-10, the reset button was just gone. Just looked at the stats as well. Billy Sharp, four shots, three on target, two chances created, 92% pass accuracy as well. <laughs> so, and he played quite a few passes in that game, so it was just insane from Sharp, really. Fleck was great. Fleck, Fleck had a good little run at that time as well. He, he obviously done the diving header assist against Derby, mm. um, which was brilliant for McGoldrick's brilliant little lob. So Fleck, Fleck had kind of turned up as well at that point. He was getting into Fleck time, if you will, second half of the season almost. So Yeah, I think great. I think the atmosphere in these two games as well, I mean, the atmosphere around kind of Christmas is always, maybe this is anecdotal, but I always feel like it's good uh, no, in the it home was, games around Christmas. But the atmosphere at those two games was really, really good, I thought. It was big. It was big. The Derby one was big. Well, I spoke about it after the game. The Blackburn one was big, driving them on when it was 11 v 10. Um, you know, giving them that extra bit of energy, that extra bit of motivation, if you will, and then driving them on further when it was 10v10 and it looked like we might steal it. Uh, and it, it just rounded the year off superbly, didn't it? Um, it, it really it, did. That, uh, I, I didn't see us scoring six goals from those two games. No, it was, uh, yeah, it was surprising. And yeah, it's also the start of our, a good run of uh, defensively, I guess, you know, very few goals conceded in the next few games, but getting ahead of ourselves there. So that was the 25th game of the season. Uh, we were fourth in the table at that point with that win. Um, yeah. We were, what were we, six points clear of seventh place and seven points behind Leeds, who were top of the table. Five um, behind Norwich in second, yeah. Yeah, so nicely placed, but... And, and I remember being very upbeat and thinking like, hey, you know, something, something's happening here. This is good. But I have to say, I, I still, even at this point, did not anticipate uh, what was to come, I suppose. But we'll have to uh, we'll have to leave that for the next one, mate, when we can uh, deep dive the second half of the season. Uh, any any final thoughts on, on where we're at with that stage? So, as I say, 25 games gone, uh, the end of 2018. Any final thoughts? Yeah, Sheffield Wednesday was 16th, 31 points. So That's they, fun. Uh, yeah, they, they improved by three whole places yeah. in the second half of the season. Yeah, that's just, a good place to leave it. Just, just, just a nice retrospective look back. <laughs> no, it, was, it was good. I think feeling-wise at that time, it was a hell of a lot more positive than what you probably thought it would be before the Derby game. Yeah. We, were, we, we kicked into form um, and it, it was all really about January. I think that's how it was left. I think, I think you know, sat in fourth, just trying to think, what's yeah, 44, yeah. So a decent points gap to the playoffs at that point, but it's the championships, mm-hmm. doesn't really matter. Still in touching distance of the top two and during the playoffs. I think I, I left that time thinking, this side's good enough to be in the playoffs. It needs help um, yeah, with, it, with incomings. I, I think that's where we were at. So that's probably where we'll pick up the next one. It absolutely is, yeah. And a uh, good place to leave it. All right, mate. Thank you very much for your time as always. And I, I look forward to, uh, to doing part two with you because... 
uh, as good as these two games were right here, things got extremely good pretty shortly after this. It is indeed. <laughs> All right, mate. See you. Nice to meet. Talk to you later.